Good morning, everyone. This week, I'd like to take a look, first of all, by beginning with last week. I think last week, Jeff did an exceptional job of bringing us up to speed from our break that we took in Acts during the month of December where we celebrated the Advent season and we celebrated Christmas. And in his message last week, Jeff said something where he summarized the Apostle Paul's speech. And so last week we were looking at the Apostle Paul's last speech to the Ephesian elders. And he summarized that speech that Paul was telling the elders by saying this, and I quote Jeff last week. He said, you guys do what I do. If you want to know what to do, just do what I do. And I love that because really, in essence, that is what Paul repeatedly told the churches as he wrote the letters to them that we now have within the New Testament. For example, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, one that um, some people quote quite often, Paul said to the Corinth church, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So in other words, what Paul's saying is exactly what Jeff said last week, which is do what I do because I do what Jesus did. Now, how many of you remember the saying that was back in the 90s, WWJD? Anybody remember that? Remember what it stands for? What does it stand for? What would Jesus do? Okay, and people were going around and they were putting on bracelets and they were putting bumper stickers on their car and everybody had this WWJD going around. The problem is, I think it got a little bit out of hand because people were starting to ask the question, well, what car would Jesus buy? Okay, <laughs> you know, which house would Jesus, you know, um, buy if he had a chance? I think really what Jeff said last week is much more accurate to what it says in the Bible. Our focus shouldn't be so much on what Jesus would do today. Our focus should be on what Jesus did back then. And based on what Jesus did back then is what we should do today. So today, we're going to look at what Paul did, that Jesus did, that we should do today. Again, we're going to focus on what Paul did to help us to know what we should do today, because what Paul did is what Jesus did. And before we look at what Paul did today, we're going to go back and look at what Jesus did. And what Jesus says. So before we get to our actual passage that's assigned to us today, we're going to go back to Luke, and we're going to look at chapter 9, verses 23 through 36. So if you can turn with me, if you have your pew Bibles, turn with me to page 867 in your Bibles. And let me open ourselves up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. As we open up your word, speak to us individually, speak to us collectively. And Father, as the rain is starting to come down upon this building, Lord, I pray that your spirit will pour down upon us today. Guide us, be with us, make us more like you. Amen. In Luke, again, Luke 9, I want to read 23 through 26. Listen to what Jesus said. And he, meaning Jesus, said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So I want you to first notice who Jesus is addressing this to. He's addressing it to all. So he's addressing it to the disciples and the apostles who listened to him back then. He's addressing it to the apostle Paul who met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he's addressing this saying to all of us today, that all of us are to deny ourselves, take up the cross daily, and follow him. Well, that phrase, take up the cross, when the audience heard it back then with Jesus, it had a very distinct meaning to the people who heard it. Because for the Romans, taking up your cross, it was referring to the fact that when condemned criminals were going to their execution, they had to be carrying the actual crossbar, and they had to carry that to the place of the crucifixion. A lot of times you see with Jesus in movies and stuff like that, you see where he's carrying the whole cross. In reality, that's not what happened. The one piece that goes up like this always stayed there. The criminals would have to carry the crossbar themselves. And so that's what the real meaning of it meant back then. And Jesus knew when he was saying this is he was going to have to literally soon be carrying his own crossbar to the crucifixion. So take up your cross. That's what it meant back then. But with this in mind and with what the audience would think about back then, when Jesus says deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, notice that he says daily follow him. Now unless you're a cat that has multiple lives, okay, and a cat only has nine lives, we know just by that that if if Jesus is saying take it up daily, he's not talking about literally dying on a cross. He means something else. And what Jesus means when he says this is that the command Jesus gives to all of us is to take up our cross, and it's a radical call for all of us to follow him, to daily deny our own self-interest for the sake of Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for us so we could be free of the bounds of sin and death and Satan. And he did that so we could be free to then go and deny ourselves for the sake of him. That's what it means by taking up the cross. But the question I want us to ask ourselves today is how do we do that? I mean, how do we in reality really take up our cross daily? And Paul, that we're going to look at today, is going to help us some with that in understanding how do we do that on a daily basis. So what I want you to do is turn now to Acts 20, And this is page 929 in your Bibles. And we're going to stay in this whole section uh, for today. So keep your Bibles open to that. So Acts 20. And what I want to do is I want to go back and look at a section that Jeff read last week first before we read our, our passage today. And as we read this section, this is right in the middle of Paul's last speech to the Ephesians. Listen to the echoes of how Paul is denying himself and taking up the cross like we talked about with Jesus. Starting at verse 22 in Acts 20, Paul says, And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, compelled or constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Jesus had to do? Jesus, on his last week, 
was going to Jerusalem, where he was going to face himself, also imprisonment and even crucifixion. And then Paul says in verse 24, But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So you can see right there, Paul is talking about how he has now lived a life where he has denied himself for the sake of spreading the gospel throughout the known world at that time. Now, what I want you to look at here is how did Paul do this? What enabled him to do it? Notice that he tells us right here. He says, by the Holy Spirit. It was only by the Holy Spirit that the Apostle Paul was able to, in face of the persecution he had known that he was going to have, it was only by the Spirit that he was able to go to Jerusalem. It was only by the Spirit that he was able to do all of his ministry. That Spirit that was first given at Pentecost and is now given to all of us when we place our faith in Christ, that's the Spirit that guides us and empowers us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus. Without the Spirit, without the Spirit, we can try as hard as we all want to, we can't do it. We can say, let's try daily to deny ourselves. You can maybe do it for about an hour, good luck, <laughs> okay? Something's gonna come up to stop you in your tracks, and unless you have that power, that Spirit inside of you, we cannot follow that command to constantly deny ourselves. Jesus took up the cross and was crucified so the Spirit would now come and live in us so we can take up the cross and now live like him. So we cannot live like Jesus. We cannot love like Jesus unless we have that Spirit living in us. We get that gift of the Spirit when we place our faith in Christ. That's when we get that gift. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, I would invite you that today is a day to do that. After our service, we have a time of prayer up here. And I would invite you, if you don't know Jesus, come up here and talk to someone. Have someone pray for you. When is the time of salvation? Today. Now. <laughs> exactly. It is now to do that. Looking at how Paul was led by the Spirit, back in, in Galatians 5, and we don't have time to look at that, but in Galatians 5, Paul describes how he was led by the Spirit, how he was able to deny himself every day. He tells us what the role of the Spirit was. And what he says is, if you listen to this, this is in Galatians 5, in just a small section, just like in a couple paragraphs, he uses these verbs, and this is how he talks about how we're led by the Spirit. He says, you're to walk by the Spirit. You're to be led by the Spirit. You're to live by the Spirit. You're to keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit should guide every single thing that we do in our lives. And when we're guided by the Spirit, that is when we're able to deny ourselves and take up the cross daily and follow Jesus. But what we're going to see in our passage today is that when we do that, sometimes we're going to meet resistance. Sometimes as we go out and try to live by the Spirit and deny ourselves, we are going to meet resistance. Why? Because the world is not about denying ourselves. The world is about living by the flesh. The world is about what can I do for myself, even if it's at the expense of other people. 
And so as we go out and we live like this, that Jesus is talking about, that Paul is talking about, we're going to meet resistance. And sometimes, to be very blunt about it, sometimes that resistance comes from other Christians. Sometimes it comes from people that are, we are closest to, who have the Spirit inside of them too. And we're going to see how that happens today and why that happens as we look at the passage from Paul. So what I want you to do is I want you to now look a little further down to our, the passage that we were assigned today. And we are going to pick up in Acts 20 at verse 36, and we're going to read through until 20, verse 12. Give a little context. This is right after Paul finishes his speech, and now he's going to start traveling down to Jerusalem. And you're going to hear a lot of, they sailed around this, and they went to here and went to there. I mean, Luke's purposely trying to show that this actually happened and showing how that journey went as he went through. So listen to what happened. So this is Acts 20, verse 36. It says, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And when he had parted from them and set sail, we came by the Strait of Cus, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patra, and having found the ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come to the site of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed in Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our days there ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage to Tyre, we arrived in Ptolemus, and we greeted the brothers, and we stayed there with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. So I want you to notice that there's two instances in this passage where the disciples warn Paul not to go down to Jerusalem. They beg him, plead with him, don't go, including the author of the book of Acts, which is Luke. You can see the word we there. He's the actual author of the book of Acts, and he was part of this journey. He was part also the one of the ones that said, Paul, don't go. In fact, if you, so if you take a look, look at verse 4. This is one instance. It says, and having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days, and through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So that's the first instance. Second instance is down at verse 12, after Agabus gives the prophecy that Paul is going to be bound when he goes to Jerusalem. It says in verse 12, When we heard this, we and the people there urged him 
not to go to Jerusalem. Now recall that just a few minutes ago, we read the passage that Paul was giving the speech about, saying that the Spirit had compelled him and said that he must go down to Jerusalem. So do you see the problem? We have Paul hearing from the Spirit, go to Jerusalem. We have the disciples hearing similar message, and they're saying, don't go to Jerusalem. So the same Spirit that's compelling Paul to go to Jerusalem is the same Spirit that's mentioned here alongside the disciples and urging him not to go. So what's going on here? Well, so first of all, Luke is explicit here. He shows and says that the Spirit is involved in all three of these instances. He makes sure his readers know that. Luke could have very easily just taken out the word Spirit. And then we would have probably assumed with these two instances with the disciples that they were just thinking in their flesh. They didn't want Paul to go to Jerusalem, so they tried to stop him. We could also think if the Spirit wasn't mentioned that Agabus was a false prophet and the prophecy he was giving wasn't true. But what we do know, as we will read later on in the coming weeks, is that the Spirit's prophecy to Paul that when he goes to Jerusalem he would be imprisoned did come true. That prophecy was real. So what's interesting is when I read this passage this last Tuesday night in men's Bible study, the very first reaction that I got from someone was, the Spirit is contradicting himself because that's what it first appears like. The Spirit seems to be contradicting himself. The Spirit tells Paul, go, and the disciples are saying, don't go. What's happening? Now, when we see an apparent contradiction like this in Scripture, we can start to say and doubt, wow, can I really believe the Word of God? Well, instead, what we should do is look at it more closely, study it, try to understand, God, what are you talking about here? What's happening? And in doing that, we end up getting to know God better as we do that. So we're going to do that as we take a look at this passage here. I want you to look again, Acts 20, 23, where Paul said this. He said, the Spirit warns Paul ahead of time of the afflictions and suffering that await him. So notice first, the Spirit warns Paul of the afflictions and the imprisonment that's going to happen. That's what happens with Paul. The disciples, they get the same warning, but when they interpret that warning, they think that it means for Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And so they tell Paul not to go back. So the same spirit that alerted Paul to the suffering is the same spirit also warned the disciples, but the disciples interpret it differently. So here's the thing I want you to get is that the message or the substance of the message that the Spirit gives to someone. Like in this instance, the message, the substance to Paul and the disciples was that Paul would hit afflictions when he goes down to Jerusalem. But the message itself is different than the interpretation. The message is different than the interpretation. The Spirit may speak a message to someone but how they interpret it ends up being different. And that's what happens in this case here, is the message which was the same. Paul, Paul's going to hit afflictions going to Jerusalem. Paul, being as close as he was to God, and knowing the mission that God put him on, knowing that his mission was what Jesus said, which is to deny himself, 
to take up the cross and to follow Jesus for the sake of the cross, Paul knew with his strong faith, I must continue on this journey where the disciples said, oh, we can't let Paul go. He's going to get hurt or he's going to be imprisoned or maybe even death. Let's stop Paul. They heard the same message, but they interpret it differently. Does that make sense as we take a look at these different things when, when the message comes from Paul? So look at Paul's response. So the disciples say, don't go. And then Paul, in verse 13, says to them, it says, Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So Paul says, hold on, God's told me I need to go. You might be hearing God and Spirit warn you, and, and you're telling me not to go, but I need to go because that's what God has called thee to do. So after this happens, Paul says, look, you guys are interpreting it wrong. I need to go. And what do we then end up having in 14? Then the disciples said in verse 14, and since he would not be persuaded, Paul was so adamant, I need to follow Christ and follow the Spirit and go to Jerusalem, that, the, that it says, and since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. So in the end, they all understand that even though the Spirit gave this warning, the action and application of that it was that Paul must continue denying himself and going forward. I want to give you a real an example of this, this current, this today, to talk a little bit about and see how the Spirit works. And what I want to do is I want to give you, I'm going to, and I'm actually going to read this to make sure I, make sure I get it right. I'm going to talk about Billy Miller, who is Andra and Bill's son, who a couple months ago spoke here and talked about his trip to Romania. Him and I went to breakfast about a, before he left on his trip, and he shared the story I'm going to share with you as to what happened. And it's very much along the lines of what we just talked about here with Paul. And I think it's instructive for us about how we can follow the Spirit as we go forward. So he gave me permission. Just so you know, he gave me permission to share this with you. He actually called me. I've never done this before. He called me on Facebook, like we can talk through Facebook Messenger. I'm a techie guy, and I'm like, I don't even know if we could do that. And also, my Facebook is ringing, and I'm going, oh, it's Billy. So <laughs> yesterday, I was like, wow, I don't even know all this stuff. So him and I were sitting there talking on Facebook, and we went through this whole thing. So I want to make sure, as we did this, I said, I want to make sure I don't deliver any fake news, because we've all heard about fake news out there. The only thing we should be delivering is good news, the good news of Christ. So listen, listen to what happened here. So Billy, um, if you don't know him, he's in his early 30s. And like most young men that age, he wants to find a good woman to marry. <laughs> Last year, he had problems with his passport, and he was not able to get back to Romania. So he stayed with a couple of Romanian families in Sweden. One of those families had an older daughter that Billy became attracted to. Her family was Christian, and her dad was in ministry, and she seemed like a strong Christian in every respect. Many things began to happen that Billy thought confirmed that this might be the woman that he was to marry. The daughter told Billy that she had a dream from the spirit that they would get married. The next day, the father also had a dream and told Billy that God told him that he should marry his daughter 
and that he heard that from the Spirit. But Billy started to increasingly hear from God, and that God continually started to speak to him and say to him, listen to the Spirit speaking to you. Listen to what I'm saying to you and obey it. Don't listen to what you're hearing from these other people. So Billy started to increasingly hear God speak to him that he must listen to the Spirit for himself and obey what he hears. He kept hearing from the Spirit that he should not obey what he was hearing from the other prophets, but only obey what the Spirit was telling him. So Billy prayed. He was really struggling with this. He prayed and he prayed, and he heard with more and more clarity that this was not the girl for him to marry and that God had someone different for him in the future. In spite of the increasing pressure from the girl's family, including her mother, that also said that God told her that they were to get married, <laughs> Billy discerned through the Spirit that this was not the girl for him to marry. I cannot judge, and none of us can judge, whether the Spirit spoke to the girl, spoke to the father, and spoke to the mother. In fact, we could just, let's assume that, that, that the Spirit did. It may be like when we heard the story of Paul, that the girl's family was interpreting the dream to mean their daughter should marry Billy, but most important was that Billy did like Paul did. He listened to the Spirit for himself and discerned that this was not the girl for him to marry. For Billy, it took some time. It took listening to the Spirit, and it took the power of the Spirit for Billy to deny his own flesh and instead take up the cross and follow Jesus. In listening to Billy's story, I can tell you, and I listened to him on the phone yesterday, I can tell you that through this, God really used to grow him. He became more like Paul. He became more like Jesus. And so I think this story that we're looking at today in Acts is instructive for us because the Spirit can speak to all of us in different ways. And we shouldn't just discount because someone else is saying something that they heard from the Spirit. Shouldn't discount that that was from the Spirit. But we have to separate the message from the Spirit from how we interpret it and how we apply it in our lives. And so I want to leave you with just a couple different points. And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. I'll put these up on our website under today's sermon so you don't need to take notes. But here's just eight things quickly that I think for us to keep in mind as we ourselves are trying to be like Paul, who was like Christ, and we ourselves are listening and being led by the Spirit. So the first thing I want to say, the first point is we need to immerse ourselves in this Word. We need to stay in the Word. Um, I think most of you know Pastor Jay leads morning prayer six days a week. He's been doing that for 15 years up in the upper room. And what he's been just recently been having us do is to start out our prayer time by putting on the full armor of God that we have that you see in Ephesians 6. And in that full armor, most of the armor is defensive, but there is one offensive weapon that God gives us in that armor. And the way that Paul puts it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word are inseparable. If you want to hear the Spirit speak to you, stay in the Word. Immerse yourself in the Word. The Spirit will never contradict what the Word says. The Spirit will never lead you into sin. The Spirit will never lead you to do something 
that is contrary to what you're going to read here in the Word. And as you get into the Word, get that Word in you, and if you get that Word out of you, you'll notice that Paul constantly was in the Word and declaring that Word to others. When you do that, that is when you most will hear the Spirit speak to you, guide you, and lead you. Second thing, do like what Billy did. If you're hearing something from the Spirit or some other people are telling you something, pray, pray, pray. Okay, keep in prayer. In James 1.5 it says, If anyone, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generally to all with above reproach, and it will be given to you. The third thing, discern the different ways that the Spirit speaks to you. Each of us, the Spirit will speak in different ways. For some of you, it might be through dreams. Some of you, it might just be this sense that you've learned to know, this is the Spirit speaking to me. There are multiple ways that each of us, that the Spirit most often speaks to us. Learn to start discerning what that is for you. Number four, and this is a very important one, test all prophetic words from others. If anybody is giving you a prophetic word, test it. All right, it says in 1 John 4:1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. Our lesson today teaches us that it might be that it's a false prophet. It might be that that's, they're not hearing from the spirit, but it might be that they are hearing from the spirit. But how you are to interpret that in your own life might be different than how they think you should interpret it. And you need to test that with the spirit. Uh, number five, just what we just said. Distinguish the Spirit's message from the interpretation. That was really what we were looking at today. The Spirit may tell someone something, but how you're going to interpret that and apply it in your own life may be different. And we need to pray and seek wisdom and seek God's wisdom and seek others' wisdom about how to do that. Number six, cautiously share what the Spirit reveals to you about others. If you get a word yourself, for someone else, all I can say is be very cautious of how you tell them and be sensitive to that. It says in Romans 14, 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. So when you're speaking to someone else about a word you, the Spirit's given you, just be careful about that, okay, and how you do that with them. Number seven, this is a hard one. Expect the Spirit to lead you to take up the cross daily. If the Spirit, if you think the Spirit's leading you to be selfish or to do your own thing or to do what's best for you, that is probably not the Spirit's talking. The Spirit is going to do and tell you and lead you in the same way it led Paul and the same way it led Jesus, which is to deny ourselves and take up our cross for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of others. And then last, inspect the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Go home today, read Galatians 5, 16 through 26. When you are following in the Spirit, your life is going to show fruit. That fruit is going to match the fruit of the Spirit if you're being led. You're going to have the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, etc. in your life when you do that. So my question to all of us today as we go out is what are we going to do today? What are we going to do tomorrow and the rest of our lives? And my hope and prayer for all of us is that what we're going to do is we're going to do what Jeff talked about and summarize. We're going to do what Paul did, and Paul did 
what Jesus did. So deny yourselves through the Spirit. Take up the cross every day and follow Jesus. Listen to the Spirit that lives in you. Walk in that Spirit. Rely on the power of that Spirit to do what Paul did. And then do what Christ did. And when we do that, then all of us together can say to each other, let the will of the Lord be done. Amen.